Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Rio de Janeiro is Salvador Dahan. Salvador is Executive Director, Chief Governance and Compliance for Petrobras, and he'll be speaking at the SCCE 2022 European Compliance and Ethics Institute on the companies and its ethical journey. First of all, Salvador, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and for speaking in Europe. Thank you, Adam, for the opportunity to share some of our knowledge. Oh, our pleasure and looking forward to it. Now, as I think most folks know, Petrovas was part of a very large scandal. Um, first, from a compliance perspective, what were some of the key terms of your agreement with the various authorities? So first, Petrobras entered a non-prosecution agreement with the DOJ. And uh, according to this agreement, we first had to agree uh, to support and collaborate with all the investigations, not only in Brazil, but also in the United States and abroad. Uh, second, we committed to pay an $850 million fine, either criminal and civil, to the authorities in Brazil and US. And third, uh, to improve our compliance program and internal controls mechanism during this three years, three year period. In addition, the uh, agreement also recognized that all the misconduct that happened um, was not due to Petrobras direct organization, but uh, ultimately Petrobras was a victim of those embezzlement schemes uncovered by the, the authorities. The, if you remember, the Operation Car Wash was the name of this uh, major uh, scheme um, uncovered by the authorities. On top of that, we also, uh, the company, after those three years period, we could complete all the obligations in terms of proving a very strong and robust compliance program has, has been implemented. Uh, still, Petrobras are working with the authorities in terms of uh, persecuting and uh, criminal and civil uh, procedures uh, in, in terms to recovery. Uh, and lastly, I think it's important to mention that uh, Petrobras is still uh, collaborating because the, the, the procedures are not finished yet and still uh, we are collabor collaborating with all the authorities. And I'm not surprised. I mean, these things that do tend to go on for a long time. Now, as you began implementing changes, what did you find were some of the keys for getting support for management? That's a good point. After the top management realized uh, all the details and uh, uh, finally we agreed with the uh, non-prosecution agreement, I think uh, we had a major change in our mindset by having a clear understanding of the importance of the compliance organization and how the, the compliance team could support the business on a regular basis. So uh, I would say the last couple of years, uh, we have a very strong tone at the top commitment. When my position was created uh, five years ago, uh, this position was immediately placed as one of the executive directors level. So being part of any major decisions in the company with a very um, special uh, uh, direct line of report to the board of directors, 
with um, authority and independence, veto power, um, uh, qualified uh, hiring and termination process. So uh, trying to protect the position against any sort of retaliation. So those are some of the elements that we have managed to build in terms of putting a, a strong uh, ecosystem of integrity where, of course, the compliance organization is important, but also the three lines of defense are now fully implemented with strong um, legal internal audit risk management areas uh, fully functioning. And lastly, I think uh, the management understand compliance as important to the business by putting in every single major decision uh, we must have a compliance formal validation, which means um, there's no major decision in this company that compliance is not, not only aware, but fully dedicated to study and align uh, what should be the best action course of actions in terms of regulatory risks, but also in terms of ethical behaviors. Well, that's remarkable. I think uh, you'd be the envy of many compliance teams around the world. Now, it's great there's all this management support, but what about the rank-and-file workforce? Um, what did you find was most effective in getting their buy-in? First, uh, I would say our turnaround journey is not finished. Um, regaining employees' trust, confidence, and especially proud is a long-term process. Remember, if you have your, the company you work for um, um, mentioned almost every single day on newspaper headlines, primetime television, every single day for more than a year, your trust and your proud is uh, completely damaged, right? So since mm -hmm. then, we are working on regaining the com employees' confidence, putting the employees in the center of our culture, making sure they understand uh, every single day this company is made by employees with strong uh, ethical compass and strong values and, and, and clear sense of direction. Although the, the huge scheme was uh, executed by a few employees, uh, of course, no, none of them are long, no longer with us anymore, but basically the company is uh, uh, regaining the trust, regaining our results in terms of uh, economics and, and, and production and so on, but at the same time by uh, making sure they feel proud working on, on this company. How we did that, what I would say first, uh, by making a lot of communication by making sure they see the good examples every day walking the talk not only uh, theoretical training but basically uh, putting a lot of examples and good cases uh, show how we are changing and how we are behaving um, we have a, a good practice we call uh, moment of integrity. So every single meeting, every single event, regardless if it's an office or in one of our offshore platforms, uh, every meeting starts with a five minutes uh, story about 
ethics, integrity, transparency, and so on. And this is not handled by the compliance team. This is handled by the business themselves. So they are the one who are every single day sharing good stories, sharing good cases about how working on integrity is good for the company. And of course, we have an integrity agents who are our ambassadors. We have more than 200 um, ambassadors um, around all the business units and locations, and they help us building the bridge between what are the compliance policies and procedures and how those uh, regulations, they are applicable to their own reality in their own uh, uh, business uh, units. So those are some of the actions that we've been working on. And still, there is a journey to transform our uh, culture of integrity uh, every single day. Wow, that's very impressive. And I really like the way between the storytelling and all the ambassadors that compliance gets to be not so much a separate function, but a part of the ongoing dialogue and integrated well within the company. What advice would you give a compliance person whose organization has just undergone a very substantial incident and is about to be in remediation? Uh, Where would you recommend they start? That's a great question. I think maybe the first and most important point is to quickly recognize the situation and uh, um, accept what is happening and start collaborating as soon as possible. This is number one. Once you start collaborating and you start deep diving internally and uh, putting an an independent investigation together, it's uh, easier to uh, recognize the wrongdoings and easier to start working with the authorities um, in order to um, stop the the wrongdoings as, as fast as possible. Second, I would say by talking with your employees with transparency, uh, making sure what are the the short-term commitments, what are the next steps, timeframes, and uh, uh, do's and don'ts that the company expect from the employees. So in order to make sure you have one voice, you have a clear sense of direction and uh, try to mitigate the noise and mitigate the lack of confidence that might happen in those situations with your employees. The same with your external stakeholders, right? Supply chain, uh, external shareholders, and make sure you can you don't disrupt your operation. At the same time, a major reputational crisis is there. And lastly, uh, making sure your uh, um, you you find out what are your um, vulnerabilities and your opportunities to improve and act as fast as possible, trying to get uh, some independent opinion to support your decision-making process and giving the confidence to the board or your top management organization in order to address those vulnerabilities and rebuild the program in case you need to rebuild. As happened in Petrobras, we pretty much start from the scratch building the compliance program. Which is a tough place to be, especially in a crisis. Now, once the obligations with the U.S. authorities are concluded, what challenges do you see for the Petrobras compliance program? I would say uh, we have three key line of actions. 
first making sure more and more the compliance function work closely with the business right so understanding the business understanding the projects as soon as possible allow us to give the best ad, uh, uh, advisor the best risk mitigation and is uh, cheaper is smartest and is the best way to make sure um, uh, the win-win situation right the business understanding compliance relevance and the compliance supporting the business in the best way possible so the more close the, the the closer we are to the business the better better second is automation i think we still have a, a room for automating controls we already have a, a large number of our uh, accounting finance financial controls implemented um, in our internal automated systems but still there is a room to improve and putting big data into um, uh, artificial intelligence in place and third is uh, moving to a broader compliance risk matrix i mean we've been working very uh, strongly oriented to fraud and corruption risks but now i think uh, we we already have a very strong program in place focus on on fraud and corruption now it's time to focus in additional risks more uh, let's say emerging risks such as privacy such as uh, intellectual property human rights esg and so on so those are the line of actions that we are focusing for the next three to five years well and that certainly will keep you busy because there's a lot there but fortunately the good thing about a strong compliance program is it's able to address so many risk areas well salvador thank you for sharing your time with us today and for speaking at the scce european compliance and ethics institute which will be taking place in March 2022 in Amsterdam. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turteltaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.